You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Welcome to Discovery. Special shout out to everyone. If this is your first time here, if I had not yet had the privilege to meet you, my name is John. I get this amazing opportunity to lead this community that we call Discovery. And uh, truthfully, we're just a bunch of people trying to figure out life. Luckily for us, we have this amazing book called The Bible that uh, every week we go to and, and we just try to see how, um, try, try to see what God says in his word through the Bible. And uh, this morning I'm excited to continue our third week of our series, Summer Road Trip. And uh, I think it officially started summer today. No? Yes. No. Someone said yes. Someone said no. It doesn't matter. It's whatever. We said it did now. And so it, it's summer at Discovery. Um, <laughs> And so we are on our third week, and, and this series, I love this series because we're going through different uh, pillars, if you will, different things that are very vital um, that I believe uh, to this church. And, and, uh, and so for the past two weeks, we've been looking at uh, our core values. When you come into the lobby, there's this big 14-foot wall. It has all of our values on there. So each week I've taken two. To, today, in fact, are probably my favorite two. Uh, values that um, that we're going to share, and so um, I, I want to read to you our theme verse for our series. It's found out of Numbers chapter nine. It's uh, in fact the longest road trip in history. It's by Israel. They were, they were journeying from where they were at to where God wanted them for forty years. And here's what it says: Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. And so uh, the cloud represented God. And, and, and basically what I love about this verse is that it shows that on the journey of Israel, they only moved when God moved. And, and that's really the heart of discovery, that we just want to move when God moves. We want to stop when God tells us to stop. We want to slow down when God wants us to slow down. And so... Um, so today we're going to hit two core values, and then uh, next week we have David's going to be starting our vision of the house, and each week we're going to have a, a guest speaker with that, and it's going to be exciting. So I'm going to pray. We're going to get started. If this is your first time, please know that a quiet church is a dead church, and that simply means if I'm saying something that resonates in your heart, feel free to say amen, preach brown boy. You could be like, ha, you could be like, mm, what, like whatever is your fancy uh, just know that it is a dialogue and not a monologue. So let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come here and hang out with you, to hang out with one another. God, I pray that, uh, that we would leave with you imparting something into our hearts. God, we want to leave different. We don't want to be the same way that we were when we came in. So God, would you just tug on our strings and change us? We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone said, amen. amen. So there's this new uh, burger joint in Katadi called Acme Burger. And uh, hey, and, um, and it's an amazing burger place. It's a cool, cool atmosphere. How many of y'all like going to places because it's a cool vibe? Yeah, like it could be good food, but if the vibe is, mm. Anyways, we, uh, I took my kids. My, I have an 8-year-old. I have a... Uh, five-year-old, and then I have a 13-month-old. I took my two oldest to this burger joint called Acme Burger, 
And uh, we were just hanging out. Uh, mommy wasn't there, so I got them soda. Let's go, Dad. <laughs> and, and, and so they were excited because they were able to get some orange soda from the fountain drink. Orange soda? Yes. And I don't care if it makes you fat. It's good. It's good. Anyways, so, so uh, we, went, we went there. They got their orange soda. They got their own fries. They got the little burger. And uh, we sat outside. There's this really cool patio uh, vibe. And, and we're just hanging out on the patio. And, and, I, and we're just like laughing. We're having a ball, okay? Like my kids are, are laughing. I'm laughing. I'm thinking, John, you are the best dad in the world. Like I was trying to give myself high five. Like it was amazing. Crazy, fun, beautiful moments in life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so as we're sitting there, as we're laughing, I become parched, a little thirsty. And so we're laughing, we're having fun, and I reach over and I grab my son's orange soda and I start drinking it. And all of a sudden it's like a record scratch. Like he's laughing, he's like, ha, ha. he stopped. And he looked at me. It's like, Dad, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm, I'm drinking I'm drinking some orange soda. He's like, Dad, that's mine. I was like, what in the world? He, he's like, Dad, that, that was my orange soda. And I said, time out, hold up. <laughs> Teaching moment right here. I said, Eli, his name is Eli. I said, Eli, I need you to understand something, sir. He knows that I'm serious when I say sir. I said, Eli, I, I need you to understand something, sir. Who bought you that drink? He said, you did. I said, so you're drinking my drink. And I'm just sharing my drink with you, so you're welcome. And then, after, after that, I said, and it's unlimited refills. If I drank all of your orange drink... I'll go to the fountain, fill it back up for you, and it could be ready for you to gulp down again. And so I said, son, shut up. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Come on. No, I didn't say that. I said, I said, I said, so, I don't want to hear it. And he said, yes, daddy. And so the reason why I'm sharing this idea of my son and his misconception of what is going on is because we see this almost identical opportunity take place within Jesus and his disciples. In the, in the story of, uh, of Jesus in, in John chapter 21, we're going to jump into that. But, but this morning, the first core value, and, and I'm going to tie everything together, but the first core value that I want us to, to look at is the core value that we have of generosity. Now, I know for some of you that grew up in church, I said generosity, and you're like, mm, I came on the wrong Sunday. I promise you, we are not going to take up a special offering at the end of our service together. Uh, I just believe that this is part of something that God has for us when we live a life of generosity. And, and so uh, our core value, we have it written down. It says this. This is in your notes, too as well as on the screen, God modeled generosity by giving us Jesus. 
we will always give out of the graciousness and generosity that God has and continues to show us. Listen, generosity is a reflection of what God first showed us. So if you're here this morning and you identify yourself as a, as a Christ follower, as a Jesus follower, like we reflect, we become generous because God was first generous with us. And so uh, generosity is a, is a big deal here at Discovery. In fact, when we first started the church, my wife and I, we told ourselves that we wanted to be known as a generous church. Amen. That would be a good time, bro. We, we, we wanted to be known in the city, in our community, that when people hear the name Discovery, that they would say to themselves, oh, that's that generous church right there. That's that church that's, that's willing to serve the community with their time. Oh, that's that generous church that's willing... To write us a check, and we've done this, write us a check to, uh, to Noah, the food bank in our city, so that they can buy more stuff. Like, we wanted, to be, we wanted to be so generous that if we would shut our doors today, that the city of Roner Park would be begging us not to. Like, that's, that's how generous of a church we want it to, to be. And so, like, our heart is generosity. We want to be known as a church that is generous. But here is the disconnect. Church is not a building. Church is not a name. Here, here's what I want you to understand this morning is that you're the church. That I'm the church. And so in order for us to be a generous church, we first got to be generous people. And we live generosity. And so here is this in John chapter 21, as we learn to reflect the generosity that, that God shows us. In John chapter 21, it's Peter, the apostle Peter, he has this opportunity to reflect the generosity that Jesus just showed him. See, let me stop and pause there and say this. We all... We are not forced to be generous. Never once from this stage within the first five years of discovery have we ever forced anyone to be generous. Generosity is your choice. Generosity is your, is, is up to you. And so here, here is this story the, of Jesus, uh, we, I'm going to kind of set the stage and then I'll jump into to our text in, in John 21, starting at verse 9. But, but before we get there, here, here's what's going on. We talked about the story a couple weeks ago. Uh, Peter, he's like, hey, I want to go fishing. And so Peter and his boys, they go fishing. What you need to understand is that Peter's occupation is fishing. Like this is what he does, okay. So they're fishing. It's nighttime. They catch nothing. All of a sudden there's this dude on the shore and he's like, Cast your net on the other side. Peter and his, his cronies, they're like, okay, what do we have to lose? They throw the net to the other side of the boat, and all of a sudden they catch 153 fish. They bring the boat back to shore, 
they realized that the person that was like, hey, cast the net on the other side, they realized that it was Jesus. So they get to shore. They're expecting to encounter Jesus. And here's where we're going to pick up in verse 9, chapter 21. It says this, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Hello. Let's go, IHOP. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. So I want to paint this picture. They get to shore, and they, they, they arrive on shore, and they, they arrive to Jesus cooking breakfast for them. That's good. They get to shore, and Jesus is he's grilling some fish. He's cooking some bread. Now, this is very important to understand that when the people, when the disciples got to shore, that Jesus already was cooking bread and fish, okay? This is very important because watch what Jesus says in verse 10, the very next verse. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. I was reading this and I'm like, wait a second. That's great. Wow, Jesus, he... He's, he's cooking fish. The fish is already there, and yet he still says, first thing, hey, bring me some of the fish that you caught. And I was like, what? In, that's bizarre. Until I realized that it's not really bizarre. In fact, here's what I, I want you to understand is that generosity is, le, is not for God's benefit, but it's for your benefit. Like the reason we are generous is not because God's like, I need you to be generous or I'm not going to be God anymore. No, Jesus, man, like we, he longs for us to be generous because there's something about being generous that makes us better people. There's something about when I can live a generous life that it makes me better. And so I, I jotted down two things that I think are, are great uh, reasons why uh, generosity is, is for me, is for you. And the first one is this, generosity identifies idols. Generosity identifies idols. See, I don't know about you, but I have no problem being generous with things that I don't care about. I have no problem with that. I'll be generous with everything that I don't care about. You know what I have a hard time being generous with? My treasure. You know, society, treasure, uh, statistics say that people hold two things that, that to the highest standard. Their time and their treasure, their resources, their money. And so I have no problem giving generously of things that I don't really care about, but when it comes to things that I treasure, how do I respond to generosity? See, because if you're like me, what happens is, is when we begin to hold on to our treasure, be it time, be it resources, whatever it is for you, when we hold on to it and we refuse to allow, to, to, to be like, here you go, God, your treasure can soon become an idol. And pretty soon, the very things that you treasure are the things that you hold higher than God. Ooh, I didn't mean to, 
I didn't mean to rub you guys the wrong way in that. Pretty soon, it's pretty soon we're holding our things, our time, our treasure, our talent to a higher standard than a higher place in our life than God. But here's the cool thing about generosity generosity, when we can learn and force ourselves to be generous with the things that we treasure, it literally demolishes those idols. It demolishes greed in our life. When I can learn to offer God the thing that I hold the dearest, and I can say, God, here it is. There's something that takes place in my heart that begins to make me more like Jesus. There's something that happens in my heart that begins to, 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 um, to pull away all of the greed that I, just, I have just as a person. See, generosity, it ident- identifies idols in our life. So what is it in your life that you're holding to a higher standard, those things. What, what is it in your life that you're like, God, you can have everything but this. God wants to do something with that and about that. Here's the second thing that I think generosity identifies. Generosity identifies intentions. Generosity identifies intentions. See, generosity, um, what Jesus was asking Peter to do was I think part of it was he wanted to see how Peter was going to steward what he gave him. See, because I I want you to remember that those 153 fish that Peter caught had nothing to do with his ability. The 153 fish that Peter caught, it had nothing to do with his ability, his skill. It had everything to do with how faithful Jesus is. And yet, Jesus wanted to see, Peter, what are you going to do with these fish? Just like the soda. Peter, who gave you that drink? Are you going to share that orange soda with me? Peter, who gave you those fish? How are you going to steward the fish that I gave you? And so, generosity identifies the intention of how you're going to steward. Generosity also identifies the intentions of where does God fit in in my life. See, I love this idea of when Peter brought the fish up to Jesus. Um, he, he brought the fish up to Jesus, and uh, the first thing that Jesus says Excuse me, Peter walks to the shore. The first thing that Jesus says is, Peter, bring me some of your fish. So before Peter could ever skin his fish, before Peter could ever bring his fish to the market to sell, because that's what Peter, remember, Peter's occupation was a fish, fisherman. This is what he did. This is how he made his living. Before he ever brought his fish to sell him, Jesus is like, hey, bring me some fish. This idea of whatever I have, Jesus, you have first dibs on. Before I even touch it, Jesus, you have first dibs on it. 
Jesus, my finances, before, you have, before I touch it, you have first dibs. Jesus, my time, before I, before I use my time, you have first dibs on my time. Jesus, you have first of everything in my life. And generosity identifies intentions. And this story is very, is very compelling to me because in this story, Peter has to decide how he's going to respond to Jesus' request. Because again, we decide what we're going to do with the fish that Jesus gave us. Peter, in that moment when Jesus said, Peter, bring me your fish, Peter had the opportunity to say no. Peter had the opportunity to say, you know, Jesus, I know you gave it to me, but um, let me see how many I can sell first, and then I'll come back, and then, and then depending on what I have left, then I'll, I'll, we'll see. Peter could have done that. See, we look at Bible characters, Bible characters, and, and, and we're like, oh, they're so holy. They knew. Peter was like, thou with all I have, if is yours is if. Right? Like, but these people were just like you and me. They had greed in their hearts. They, they struggled with, with this. And so Peter, he could have said, uh, Jesus, you know, like, if I give you five of these fish, these tunas are pretty big. They're probably going for like 70 a head, 70 times five. Let's see. Like, Peter could have said that. But he didn't. Peter didn't respond that way. In fact, he responded completely differently. And this leads us into our second core value. And it's this audacious faith. Our faith will always reflect the magnitude of God. Since God is big, we will be people of big faith. Dreams and expectations. Notice, just like generosity, our faith, our audacious faith is not what we feel, but it's a reflection, once again, off of the magnitude of who God is. Can I say this morning that it takes audacious faith to live a life of generosity. It takes audacious faith to live a life of generosity. See, most, when, we, when I read this story in the past, I always assumed that the audacious faith of Peter was the moment where Jesus was like, cast the, the net over the boat. Like, I always thought that was where the audacious faith was. And like, Peter's like, doneth. Right? And, he, and, and he throws it over the boat. Like, I always thought that was like the audacious faith in the story. But now that I'm looking at it, it looks less like audacious faith and more like desperation. I think sometimes we can confuse desperation with audacious faith. See, desperation looks like I got to pay the bills. Lottery, here we go. Audacious faith is I don't know how this is going to happen. And it really looks like it's not a smart decision. But God, I trust you with. See, there's a difference. 
And if we are going to live a life of generosity, it first is going to have us to take a life of audacious faith. See, Peter, he had an opportunity to respond to Jesus, the one that provided the 153 fish. He had an opportunity to decide how he was going to respond. And watch what he does in verse 11. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish. And yet the net hadn't torn. Do you know what I think the audacious faith is in this story? Is that when Jesus said, bring me some of the fish, look at the text. Peter didn't just bring some. He didn't go to the the boat, take out five of them, be like, here you go. (laughs) This is what you needed, right? The text says he dragged the net to shore. So he didn't just bring the four or five fish. He brought all 153 fish to the feet of Jesus and said, here you go. What is that modeling to us? This idea of audacious faith that Peter stepped into and said, Jesus, everything I have is because of you. All these fish that I'm bringing to you right now, Jesus, is because you gave it to me. And I'm reflecting the generosity that you showed me. And so you asked for some of my fish. Here's all of my fish. We can even take it away from from giving our time and our resources. Jesus doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't just want the parts that you want to fit into what he says. He wants all of you. And so Peter, he he steps into this place of audacious faith. And he drags everything that he has to the feet of Jesus. And he's like, this is for you, Jesus. This is all I have, but it's yours. It's not mine anyways. Can can I tell you the secret that, that for me that's helped me to be generous in my life is when I realize that everything I have is not mine anyways. Because I'll tell you what, if I gave you 50 bucks and I told you to spend it on someone, you would spend it easily. You'd be so generous, you'd be like, hey, I'm going to buy your latte. Hey, here. Why? Because you understand it's not yours. When you can live understanding that all 153 fish are not yours, but it was because of God's graciousness and faithfulness, then you can learn to live a life of generosity. Now, John, why are you telling me this? Because in order for us to be a generous church, we got to be generous people. And I love what takes place after verse 11. Peter brings the fish to Jesus. And once Peter does that, Jesus says this, all right, guys, come eat breakfast now. Come and eat. Do you know why we need to be a generous church? Do you know why we need to be generous people? Because our generosity with our time and our resources and our talents 
It sets the table for people to come and experience the love of Jesus. It gives us, our generosity sets the table for people far from God to come as they are. To come and experience this hope that we have in, in Jesus. Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen, when I'm generous, when you're generous, and when we can come together and be a generous church, we're saying, we're setting a table for people and saying, Oh, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see the hope that He's given me. Taste and see what He's doing in my life. Taste and see what he's doing in my marriage. Taste and see what he's doing in my relationship. Taste and see what he's doing with me as a parent. Taste and see what he's doing with my addiction. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Why do we want to be a generous church? So that people in our city, people in our county can come encounter the love of Jesus in his purest form. And so this morning, I, I encourage you to just ask God, God, like, what, what am I holding on to that, that I can offer to you my generosity? God, what are those things, what are those idols that I'm placing that I'm holding higher than you? We will never force you to do anything. I did my job right now. I go home and sleep at night peacefully. I did my part. <laughs> and so what I want to do, guys, we're, we're good on time too, so you don't have to worry. But uh, I, I'm going to have Pastor Paul, one of our associate pastors, come up. And, and he's going to share, like if there was a person that, model genero that models generosity with with his treasure, with his talent, it's this man. And, and I just wanted him, I asked him, I was like, hey, Paul, can you just come up and just share how faithful God has been in your life? And, and so he just, he's going to come up and share something. He's going to dismiss us. And uh, can we just give him a hand right now? Very gracious. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor John. That was a really good word. And uh, I just want to, let's just, let's all stand up. Stand up, just stretch. Okay, because he did give me 10 minutes, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. All right, now you can sit down. Yeah. Okay, that's good, though. I, I like this uh, passage. At first, I was trying to think about generosity and God's audaciousness, and I thought this passage, and I thought, well, maybe, that, maybe that'll work, but I was a little bit unclear unsure if that was direct enough, but I think it was really a good passage, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, one thing I just saw today is that the 153 fish, that is audacious. I mean, that's way more than they needed, and it's almost like God wants to show off how generous he can be sometimes, and how good he is, and then when I see Peter dragging that net in, I almost feel like he's showing off a little bit too. Like, I, you can you imagine how heavy 153 big, well, I'm a fisherman, so I know. That's a heavy load. He, I think he was showing off a little bit too. But we want to show off how good God is because he shows off how good he is. Amen? All right. Well, let me just talk to you a little bit about um, something that happened to me a few years ago. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He'll make your path straight. Um, 
trust is a big issue, especially when we're talking about giving. And uh, I, I found a time here uh, not too long ago, four years ago about, where I was really forced into a, a new level of trust. But the only thing that I had known in my adult life as a career was full-time ministry. I started as a youth pastor. I worked in college and youth ministry for at least 10 years, maybe more than that. And then I got to be an associate. And I loved that. But then they then kind of by default, they ended up being the, the lead guy of a small church. And uh, that, was, that was a lot more challenging. So I can really appreciate what John does. God bless you, brother. <laughs> and Vanessa, yeah, amen. It requires a lot of gift and a lot of grace. Well, I kind of discovered that I was more suited to be the associate. And that's part of the story. Um, but something happened in this, and when I was discovering that I was going to be the associate, things were changing. I can't go into all the details, but all of a sudden, uh, I thought we'd make a transition, and I would be the associate again, and the guy who, we were, guy who would come along, we would let him be the lead guy. And the bottom line is, is that really didn't quite work as we had hoped and trusted and planned. And uh, we found ourselves um, out, out of a job, and uh, really out of a church family. We'd been in the same church family for almost 40 years. So this was a really painful, confusing, and I'll just be honest, a fearful time. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was hurting. We had bills to pay. Everybody has good bills to pay, right? I still had a family to support. And all of a sudden, I didn't know what to do. I'm 58 years old. Um, I've been doing the same thing my whole life. Now what am I going to do? Tried a few things that uh, didn't work. I found out that uh, your back isn't uh, so good when you're 58. So uh, what am I going to do, Lord? And uh, then I, I, I this, this uh, pastor actually in town said, why don't you try out for this, uh, uh, this bus uh, driving job? There's a school bus, and you love kids. And uh, so I didn't really know what I was signing up for, and I never expected to be doing that in a million years, but I actually loved it. So in Petaluma, I, was, I got trained. And I did this school bus. I transitioned into that. And I was enjoying it, um, enjoying the kids. And then after the, the year went by, I found out there's kind of not maybe a little bit of a toxic atmosphere. And I won't go into the details. But just suffice it to say, at the end of the year, I got thrown into the bus. That's right. I, got, I lost my job, which I was enjoying. And um, so I was, it was that brought up that pain again that I'd just been through. Uh, still processing some of the pain of, of the loss of uh, my previous career so anyway I'm going through this pain hurting kind of all over again and I just thought you know what God is good I, he's going to make a way somehow somehow some way God's going to work it out I don't know how it's just right what you just said John I don't know how this is going to work I don't know how it's going to turn out but somehow I've known experienced enough of God in my life I know that he's going to make a way even where there seems to be no way and so we said oh, here I am and uh, went out and applied for one job, which I really didn't want. Uh, I actually got it, but I didn't really want it. And, and, then, and then I got to go to, so I actually had a recommendation from the person who fired me. That's an irony. And I uh, got on with Sonoma um, at, uh, as school bus driver again, which was really great because it lines up with my wife's schedule. She's a teacher, and my son at the time was finishing high school. So it all worked out really well. And I got into a great environment. I got more pay, better benefits. Yeah, come on. And a really great environment. It's such a neat place. I love my, my supervisor over there. And he nominated me, me to be the employee of the year in Sonoma's district this year. 
So, but the greatest thing was just seeing God come through. God came through big time. He blessed us so much. We were really doing well. Uh, I'm really enjoying that, and I'm enjoying here. I, this, that, all of that kind of brought me to here, and I love this house, and I fit here. Thank you, Jesus. So talk about God working things for good. When you trust him, you know, there's the, that promise in Romans says that God causes all things to work towards the good, even the things that really hurt and you don't understand and can make you kind of want to question, like, um, is this, you know, how good is God? Is he going to come through again? Is he going to come through this time? Well, anyway, this is a real opportunity for me to see that God really came through for our family and for me. And uh, like John said, taste and see that God is good. And uh, I know some of you already know that here. Um, some of you um, are way past that. But uh, God's just saying, if you trust me with your time and your talent and your treasure, I'm going to be audacious. <laughs> I'm going to be very generous. And uh, you can't outgive me. I like this one little antidote, and I'll close with this. Is uh, They asked this uh, famous philanthropist who lived in the last century, Captain Levi from Philadelphia. He said, Captain Levi, you are outrageous in your generosity. How can you possibly be so outrageous and give so much? We just don't get it. And he says, well, it's real simple. He says, uh, it's like this. I, I've got a shovel, and I shovel out, and then there's God. And apparently, he's got a lot bigger shovel because he shovels in. Amen? Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.